Welcome to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Bookler. And I'm Chris Heine. And we just went to the awesome 50th anniversary of Minicon this weekend, which was amazing, by the way. Thanks to everybody who would, who made us feel right at home with our, all of our Star Trek knowledge and our millions of vintage sci-fi books and our game playing and our awesome hair. All of the things that were there. <laughs> we were we were lucky enough to be guests on a couple panels for like a pretty random assortment of things, which was really pretty cool. And I always like going to conventions and I definitely like going on panels. But it got me to thinking about what happens, which is everybody's worst nightmare, what happens when you're invited to a panel and then it suddenly goes awry? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Go awry in so many ways. The first question I will ask after I tell you what's happening here. Is this at, a panel? Yeah, this is a panel. This is a panel. Well, surprise panel. It's a surprise panel. Let, before I get into the panel discussion really quick, here's what's going on at Light Gray Art Lab. Um, we have, what, just a couple days left? Yep, just a couple days left of the Boss Rush exhibition, uh, which has over 100 artists and all their favorite bosses and bad guys. Um, so that's up at the gallery right now through Friday. And you can also check it out on the Light Gray shop, which is shop.lightgrayatlab.com. That's awesome. And uh, we've had our, our fair share of other fun things happening. We actually have an awesome workshop happening in just maybe, what, three weeks or so? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to tell people about that? Sure. Uh, we have a local artist, Cleo Malone, who's coming to teach a crochet workshop. Um, she's going to be teaching people how to make underwater parabolas or (laughs) they're more like coral shapes and really interesting circular formations. So she's going to be teaching people how to make um, this very specific crochet pattern that can sort of evolve into many different forms and shapes. So it'll be super fun. You can sign up individually or with a friend to get a discount. The workshop's happening on April 25th from 1.30 to 3.00. Of course, many of the amazing pieces of work are coming in for the Guts exhibition. I think we have almost everything here. We do. We've been getting pieces all week long, and there are so many originals. It's insane. It's really awesome. Um, but that show's opening April 17th, so just two weeks away from 7 to 10 p.m. We actually have our guest artist, Lana Crooks, who's coming up here from Chicago to install all the pieces. She emailed me today and says she has about 25 pieces in the show. Wow. So, so, so many. <laughs> um, but the show is really incredible. It's all about the insides of things, the guts, um, what's hidden underneath. So all the, sci- or all the artists are taking the role of scientists for the show. Which is awesome. Totally my favorite topic of many topics that I like. But before we start our conversation, a couple more uh, last little bits here. Yeah, you guys might remember we went to GlitchCon last week and we did our podcast halfway through, but it was announced that Dream Arcade was chosen as the best visual design at GlitchCon. So we won an award for that. So I wanted to issue a humongous congratulations and good job to all of the artists involved because everyone was super impressed with all the hard work that was put in from the artists, and they just couldn't believe that every single level was totally unique and 100% different. So That's really cool. Um, yeah, it yeah. was really Woo! awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's and awesome. And you're up against a lot of really awesome games. I would encourage anyone to go look at the um, Minicade panel. From Are they all documented on the website? On the Glitch website. I'm not sure how long the Glitch website is going to exist, I guess, but right now they're there. And um, some of them are big, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say AAA titles, but they're published, polished titles and other ones were indie. So they were ranged the spectrum from kind of bigger and, and wide distribution to really small projects. But um, there was only four awards. So, it, you know, it was a pretty big honor to take that award. And um, yeah, and I want to give a shout out to all of the amazing artists that made that happen. That's really cool. That's super cool. And so I think Chris has a, a blog post that if you missed it last week, you can go and take a take a gander at the nice purple ribbon that mm-hmm. came with it. A beauty. A beaut. So that is <laughs> super awesome. And then wasn't there one more thing we had to mention? We just closed a couple of call for arts that were on the Light Gray blog. We'll be announcing all the artists that will be joining us for this summer's exhibition, Patches and Stitches, which will be a textile exhibition of both back patches and beautiful embroidered pieces so um we'll be announcing the artists for that show soon as well as the cosmos project for all of you guys yeah so sit tight you guys cosmos people we have not forgotten about you we're going through a lot of really good portfolios there are a lot of talented people that applied for um for that show and of course always um so just sit tight for a little bit longer we'll be telling you all the details for that very very soon so Without further ado, let me propose 
an uncomfortable question to you. <laughs> okay. Imagine this. You have been invited to sit on a panel somewhere, and you're starting to listen to the moderator talk. And in the nightmare scenario number one, all of a sudden, you're thrown one of the toughest questions you have ever heard, and you're not really sure what to do because everybody's staring at you, and you're up there, and you've got the microphone. What do you do? <laughs> what is the question? Yeah, I guess um, Here, I let feel me like if it's a it. tough question, yeah. then... I would hopefully have an answer. I would hope you'd have an answer. Okay, so say it's a very inflammatory question, one that that could spark or ignite a riot in the in the seats <laughs> that are listening to your panel. One where your your careful consideration of every single word could either put you on one side or another side of a of a warring two warring factions. Like Star Trek or Star Wars. Yes, what do you do? I would tell the truth. That's a very good, noble answer. And while you were telling the truth, would you be panicking on the inside? Here's why I asked. I think you might have a more severe, some sort of more severe case in mind than that, because I feel like it's not that big of a deal to just but be like... Star Trek or Star Wars? Yes. You, to some people, maybe. The answer is obviously Star Trek. No, obviously, you know. So, okay, so so here's here's why. Okay, when you're, when you're in a panel... Um, you know, you're going out on a limb to go and actually get up there in front of people. We've already talked about like how hard it is for some people to to public speak, right? Mm-hmm. That's no like big mystery. But the hard thing is you never really know what kind of questions people are going to throw at you from the audience or from the rest of the panel. And so in the circumstance where you're out in this public forum and you're kind of just like fielding all these random things that are popping up, there's no script, there's no rehearsing, there's no like speech you're giving. I think... Um, the question I ask you is kind of one of many things. As I was sitting there and I was like, there's so many ways these panels could have gone depending on how this would have swung. That's one of my nightmares is to get asked a question that I have to be so super careful about my answer. Is it just like a personal question? Like if somebody said, you know, like tell me the net money you make a year or something like that or tell me. I feel like you can deflect that pretty easily. But say for example, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just like a weird personal question. Yeah. No, like a like a like a super political opinion or something. Or how do you feel about? I don't even know. Well, whatever. I guess I mean we were talking about this last week too. Like it is easy to talk about something that you're intimately involved with, like like Ray or something. You know the answers. You tell people. You have like a thing that you say all the time to people who come into the gallery. And so it's easy to answer questions like that. Or I guess also any technical question. If somebody was like, how do you do What's your favorite pencil? Or what's your favorite, (laughs) like, I don't know, what's your favorite, like, program that you use for something? Then, of course, it would be really easy and, like, clinical to have an answer and it wouldn't be a problem. But when people are asking things that are, I don't know, I guess maybe prying or they're also, like, something you maybe don't have a super opinion about if it's a personal thing and you're like, I don't really know. I don't really have never watched Star Trek. <laughs> this is so intimidating. What if they said, what if they asked you, Jenny, who do you hate more, Chris or Francesca? And then I'd have to answer it in yeah. front of everyone. Would you deflect or would you? I would you... deflect. I would pass. I would say I hate pass them out. both <laughs> equally. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's 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 actually a, another part Fake to my question. Out. When you're in that situation, there's like a couple things <laughs> running through your head, right? So you've been asked this really weird question. You're on a panel because supposedly you're an expert in something or you've got something to say about something. But then there's these moments where you're like, man, running away would be so awesome right now. <laughs> <laughs> this would be so much more comfortable than whatever this question was, you know? Or there are moments where you're like, if I deflect this question and then hijack this whole situation so I can start talking about whatever I think is a better question than this, is that a better option? I think that's probably the very standard political option. Is to hijack like. and hijack yeah, Or and just hijack it? the question and answer the question you want to answer. Mm. Do you think like, that's why people do it? Is because they're like, I don't, I don't want to answer the thing you just said, but I don't want to seem like I'm, I don't know, you know, like you don't want to mm-hmm. just be like, Meh. yeah, I think that if you have something, well, specifically if you're an expert on something and somebody asks you a question uh, about out of your genre of expertise, yeah, and and we're asking Jenny about Star Trek, and we say, right. she say, why, why, 
Why do you think everybody really likes Deep Space Nine's character development? Jenny would say, well, that's a good question. But, you know, in my opinion, good fiction comes from great characters ah. or something mm, like that. Yes. And then everyone would be like, hmm, that's a good answer. Yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. then- but she might, she, it's a question that she kind of didn't really answer, but also gave her opinion on something similar. So I think in any situation, when you're sitting up there on a panel, you realize that like on all, here's all the perks about being on a panel. Like if you've got something to say and some wisdom to spread, then great. You also have a little bit of FaceTime with some people, which is kind of nice if you're, you know, looking to reach out or, you know, build your brand or something like that. Um, you're also meeting the other panelists. That's pretty cool. You know, mm-hmm. all of the crazy other things that come with it, maybe the not so awesome parts of it are like, yeah, you're going to have to deal with a lot of weird questions and ones you totally weren't expecting. You might also be stuck with maybe, like I was saying, a moderator who really has a very specific agenda that wasn't quite what you thought you were going to get when you're on the panel. Or maybe... um it's possible that you're in a panel with people that you feel completely unprepared, you know, in the rest of the conversation in those circumstances. So here's my, here's my thing for you. What would you do? Not what, what would anybody do? What would you do if you were in a, in a panel with, for example, I'll give you a real life scenario. This is the last panel that I was on, on the first day of Minicon. I was in a panel with three writers and I'm the only art person. And a lot of the conversation had to do with writing. Uh-huh. What do you do besides just sitting? Oh, actually, nope, that's one of your options. <laughs> Option one is just sitting there and smiling and waiting for an hour to go by. <laughs> that sounds horrible. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Option two is making eye contact with the moderator so they ask you questions about things you don't know about and trying desperately to answer them. Three, hijacking it and starting to talk about something you do know what you're talking about. What do you do? Which one of those is the worst option? I feel like that is a fairly easy option. Is it? I think that you... you, specifically. Yeah. I specifically would answer questions that I knew. But I think that because... If somebody gave you the If it's a really, really specific artwork or writing question Mm -hmm. and they were like, what is the best... What is your opinion on the Oxford comma? Actually, I would probably have an answer on that. But if it was something like that, where the only answer is specifically, you know, like directly related to that. But if they're just like, how do you go about getting your name in front of editors? And I I think you could answer that on a different level and say, say, well, I think this is a better question for these people. No, I think that you could say, well, (laughs) because I feel like an editor is the same as art director or the art director is the same as whatever. So I think that in in my field. These are the ways that you can network. These are the ways that you can do these kind of things. The and it and a lot so of it comes down. So you wouldn't seize up, and you wouldn't be like, "Uh oh, editors, what?" No, I think that a lot of it is just really people question, people, people person questions. So it's like a lot of the questions that are asked are, "How do I deal with people?" It's like, <laughs> "How do I talk to people? How do I approach a person?" Yeah. And I feel like it's it doesn't matter if it's you know for. Uh, writing conference or for an automotive salesman conference it's like people skills are people skills and a lot of the questions that get asked again and again and again in all these panels are always kind of how do i get my foot in in the door and in some way yeah and it's and there's never a magical answer that's like well you definitely should do this always just like you know hang out with people who are doing the same thing and you'll meet people and you'll kind of like get so why do you build the network those answers aren't I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my air quotes or whatever, aren't as valuable to people sitting in a panel trying to take notes. Why do you think that they don't like hearing, well, you just have to go to things? Because I think they're to there people. to hear the magical answer of how somebody's going to take their book or you know hire them for a job. And you think that they think the panelists know the answer? Yes, I definitely think that. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And there so, was one, Yeah. at this specific thing, there was one, uh, one of the founders of Tor. Yeah. And everyone just assumed that talking to one of his editors was a guaranteed book deal. I mean, everyone was just like, I mean, you could feel it. Like you could feel them encroaching and like trying to get a tasty morsel. <laughs> and I, I mean, it's definitely a start and it's, be- it's, it's definitely better than not having your 
you know, having the opportunity to interface with somebody at all. But at the same time, it is not by any stretch of the imagination the a only guaranteed option? golden ticket to no, fame and fortune. I do think that those people in the audience were in the right place. Yeah, and that, so it's a good start. They were at the con. They're at a con. They're interfacing with people. They're, they're listening to yeah, an they're, expert. They're putting themselves in a location that is likely to be discoverable by something in their chosen field. So, so they're already in the right place for it. So they're already on that track, but they need to keep doing it. Okay. That makes sense. And then, yeah, and they need to be open to it and just have conversations. And I think a big part of it is having conversations with people without expecting anything from them. Yeah. And not just being like... Give me a job. The first thing you should do is not just be like, hand them a manuscript and be like, read this. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. building relationships. Well, that makes sense. I and mean, building so, relationships is like the key to all these things, but nobody wants to hear that. That's I think, the a lot only of trick. That's the only trick. When it's somebody says trick. it's who you know, how come everybody gets mad about that? Because it seems not fair. Yeah. And why do you think that people think it's not fair? Because they're like, I don't like meeting people. Because it like, should be based purely on skill, I that's guess. That's a question that came up, by the way, Jenny. So really? maybe I'll ask you this, or I'll ask both of you this. Um, a guy in that panel, and I thought he brought it up, but I'm, I'm glad he did, because I feel like this is, is often a question that, again, when you're comparing and contrasting yourself with somebody else, like, if it's based on skill alone, if the world was based on skill alone, there would be all of these fantastic people that, you know, are are in the highest paid positions with the most luxurious of situations that are so much better than everybody else in their chosen trade or whatever. And but that's not how it is, you know? And so they were trying to figure out, like, why does it matter? Why do you have to sell yourself so much as an individual? And... Like, nobody said it out loud, but I feel like some of the sales stuff actually compensates for maybe maybe the fact that you're a good artist, but not the best artist, you know, or a good writer, but not the best writer. And I think some of the sales part actually has a lot more to do with, and I sort of tried to answer this question in there too. He said, he said, how come, shouldn't it just be that you're a good writer and that you should just get all your, your yeah. projects because you're a good writer? And I mean, you're like, wait a second. Yeah. Yeah, There's but a, I suppose if you're a good writer and nobody ever knows that you're That's what I was going to say. If, if if this was like an amazing cyberpunk book and you had a virtual butler <laughs> who could just like ac- instantly access the entire archives of all writing ever and just like pull out the best author at that time. Oh, and slot you in and where then you're supposed be to like, go? here you go. Yeah, if the author was like, I need the best sci-fi author in the entire world or if the editor was like, I need the best sci-fi author in the entire world right now, please. And then Jeeves is like, mm-hmm. Computing done. Here you go. Um, but since they are a real person and they don't have infinite time to read everything, and they, I mean, it's kind of whatever ends up in front of them is their options. Yeah. They'll well, continue looking until they find the best option, but they can't continue looking forever. Why and, do you think that bugs people so much, though, to realize that they have to do a lot of selling? Um, because that's not the part of the job they like. Think yeah, so? well, it's like the business part. I I don't know. I do think presentation and like conviction in the things you're doing does go a long way. But seeing somebody's work in front of you or seeing it like in close proximity where you can grab onto it, like gives you the impression that they're in for whatever is going on. Like they want to participate or want to be a part of something. And so you don't have to like approach them and say, do you want to do this? Are you interested? Is this even like in the realm of stuff you're into? You already know that they're like making an effort. And so it's a lot they're trying to, to be in front something. of somebody. Yeah. You know, so, Jeff Johnson said something that I think was really smart. And for those who don't know, check out Jeff, Jeff Johnson. He's a fantasy painter. Super and he good. He's just a really nice guy. Really nice guy. I always like seeing Jeff. But I like seeing um, Jeff. <laughs> good guy. Um, nice guy. I think that part of getting these jobs is how good you are at writing, but also you have to be able to work with people. Are you talking about writing as in being a writer? Or yes. Are you talking about writing to a client? I'm as talking an about writing as being a writer or artist as being an art, oh, like so, an so illustrator like as being an illustrator. So ability. part of it is your technical okay. ability, but people have to be able to work with you and you have to be a wonderful person to work with because they have to work with lots of people. And like, if one person is being really difficult, that's going to be a person that gets dropped. And one thing that Jeff said, and I don't remember if he said this before he had a job or after he finished a job before and kind of just like as a thing. And he said, like anything I can do to help you guys out more next time, let me know, which means 
he's, he's considerate willing, of the process. Yeah, he's not just like, here's my masterpiece, take it, and I'm done. He was, you know, he wants to make their job as easy as possible too. So I think that's like a lot of where the people's skills and the and just being the cognizant of being like this masterpiece that I created isn't all I can contribute. I can, you know, work to help you do what you need to do. So here's a question that's kind of on the fringe of that, right? So there are plenty of people that are experts sitting in the audience of a panel, people mm-hmm. that do all sorts of cool stuff, right? Right. And then there are the people up on stage and the people that are talking. And in this case, you know, Chris, you were on a couple panels. I was mm-hmm. on a couple panels. You know, we're, we have volunteered to be in that position to talk about what we know. Do you feel like a person should go out of their way to to try to participate in, I guess, I'm going to call it the entertainment aspect of a convention or a panel or like the administrative aspect, like all these things that are on the fringe of what you actually do. Like, like how important do you think that is in the grand scheme of being involved in a community like that? Because I heard a couple things during our time there that I think is, are really interesting. But how, what do you think? Is going on a panel for you helpful in what way? I personally, I don't think I, don't I didn't do it because it would be personally helpful i mean i i guess there's a no side i was effect? helping other people they right. were asked us if we were interested and i said sure i will volunteer to do some panels so not just because you want to hear yourself talk i do not want to hear myself <laughs> talk but yeah. um and but my my approach to panels is exactly like i said where i will answer the questions presented the best to my ability but i will i'm not going to lie obviously and just like start talking about things that i have nothing that you don't know that about. I don't know anything about. Um, and I also feel like um, the moderator kind of handles a lot of that. And I'm just kind of there to be one of the voices in a, in kind of a, not even, a, I mean, it is a conversation, but it's kind of like a question. And then, yeah, or... another perspective that's kind of added to this mixture of perspectives. Yeah. What about you? Do you I... go to help or do you go because you're like, I think being visible is a good thing as a person or an entity? Yeah, I mean, I do. I don't think I've been to a lot of conventions where I haven't been involved in some way, like whether that's having a booth or being on a panel or something. I think that a lot of the time, especially being in a community where we are like actively doing stuff, I think it is natural for us to go to something and then approach them and or say we can help us yeah and see if we could help in any way because we know what it's like trying to like corral people um so I have been on panels and I think it's fine I also don't necessarily like like just talking for the sake of talking it would be nice to like attend a lot of the panels because I do enjoy attending panels um but I guess it doesn't really matter either way like if it's a subject that I feel comfortable talking about or want to talk about like collaborative projects or like um managing things or something like that I'd feel totally comfortable of course I wouldn't sign up for like a gaming (laughs) something or I don't know a sci-fi history or something like that because I wouldn't have anything to contribute and I would much rather just like enjoy it as a attendee but I think that's I mean the reason why I asked you guys was to hear your perspective on like why you would even go out on a limb to be part of the I guess organizational aspect or like part of the entertainment or part of like the the whatever um a lot of the questions that were asked in some of these panels were like again how do I make this easier on myself to do the thing I want to do and I think a lot of those you know the ones that we were involved in were mostly I want to do more things how do I do that and and the social aspect and the community aspect came up a lot um one of the things I heard from another panelist and actually it was the very first one that we were on on um Friday morning Mm -hmm. um one of the guys that was on a panel with us came in and he said you know, I, I volunteered and they told me if I want to be more involved, the best way to meet, meet some like people who are doing something um, would be to be on a panel, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is probably if somebody just said like, here's the facts of the people that are on the panel. I mean, it's probably true. Right. You know, like yeah. if, you, if you're on a panel and you're meeting people who have something to contribute, you're probably going to meet people that have something to say. Yeah, actually, I'll. I'll like alter what I said before, but I think that being on a panel or being involved in some way at the beginnings of something is actually really nice. Like we've done it a couple times for conventions, like right at the beginning, it gives you a chance to like say publicly who you are and what you're doing there and what your purpose is. 
and then throughout the the rest of the however many days something exists like it's nice to have people both come up to you and you come up to somebody and you're not just like a strange face um it gives you like a point of talking and you're like hey i saw you at that thing or what did you think of this or i was like support yeah it is and it immediately sets up sort of a community even within that like initial moment where you just like introduce yourself even if it was to a room of like 30 people or something i don't know it's kind of nice so i I guess that's that's like the facetime part where you're like introducing yourself in front of everyone that seems helpful why would you think people would choose to be a part of something bigger like that and actually to volunteer whether it was on a panel or just set up or set up the art show or help set up the booths or you know sit there at the booth and tell people where to go you know like why do you think that would even be worth a person's time? Well, I think they just want to be involved. I feel like Minicon specifically has a lot of really passionate people, and it's a small convention that wouldn't happen without a lot of volunteers. So um, that's kind of why. It's not very expensive to get in, but I think other conventions, people volunteer because they get a free ticket, and it's more expensive to go. So it's kind of like they get to help out, they get to you know meet some people, and they get a free pass. There's a lot of passionate people that I think want that community to exist and they want to be able to come back and see familiar faces and see it evolve and see it, you know, grow and things like that. And I figure every time somebody new, like a new face comes in and adds like a little bit of content or a little bit of something. I mean, that's an entire, it's actually something that we did both at, um, it's a theory, I guess, or some kind of action. I don't even know what I'm saying. It's, it's a thing that, that, um, I think is helpful when you kind of pool your resources amongst like a group of people, um, I think both in Meg Hunt's workshop and Callie Seesmeyer's workshop uh, a long time ago, we did something at the end that um, was called a resource party, you know, or resource kind of like get together. And it was, it was actually not definitely not my, um, you know, brainchild. It was something that I learned at another workshop in a different place. But it was basically like you're sitting around a table with a bunch of people that all do something completely different. And you're sitting there saying like, what can I do to help somebody in this room somehow? Here's what I have to offer. I know about this, this, and this. Who else knows about whatever else, you know? And I think in a room like that, you know, whether it's on a panel, whether it's on like, you know, a committee for a new project or a convention or something like that. I think a lot of cases that's a reason to be involved is that you feel like you could help, you know, and that you might learn something. But I think a lot of that resource sharing is like essential to building something bigger and better, you mm-hmm. know. So in all of those cases, I mean, if, you, if we go back to the panel side of things, like, can you think of, of a panel that you've been to where you're like, this person is kicking so much butt, this is the best thing I've ever been to. I am either A, so entertained, or B, I am learning so much about something. I've got a couple off the top of my head. We went to Icon 8 last year, and there were a couple circumstances that um, we listened to some people talk on stage, and it was pretty amazing to hear differing opinions of art directors Mm -hmm. um some of the stuff i knew some of the stuff i think was like like a little bit different than things i've heard a couple times but it was just great to kind of have people reiterate stuff that you've thought all the way you know all along about an industry or you know very specific things and so there was a panel of i think um two art directors there that had really very contrasting opinions to sort of set the tone of like Here's the spectrum of what's possible within our industry. Anywhere within these two perspectives will work. You know, here is how we do this. Here's how we consider, you know, um, our jobs as people relating to you guys as artists, which I thought was really pretty cool. In those cases, I feel like they were charismatic. They were able to, like, read the crowd really nicely. They kept your attention, and they had content that was, like, really good you know and as a as a duo they were really good about bouncing off of each other and being like oh yeah and to add to that here's this so it wasn't Mm -hmm. a tangential crazy weird like "Uh oh we ran out of stuff to talk about situation it was a it was a very nicely like put together conversation that i think stayed on point which was really good so those are kind of the things that i look for in terms of like when I'm watching a panel, I go to get the nuances and I, I go to get more more than I already know about something. I do feel like there's a lot of that like 
there's a bit of entertainment aspect to it. And there's a little bit of, you know, making sure that they continue along like a snowballing trajectory of content. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Yeah. well, I suppose especially at Icon when there's like five or 600 people in the audience to try and read what's going on and figure out like the path of how things are moving and what's going on. Um, I think it would be totally different. Like Minicon, of course, or any of the other panels that we participate in, it's not that large of a crowd. So it's a little less intimidating or maybe, I don't know, maybe people have a different experience. But it is helpful to see people who have great intention going onto the stage and they know what they want to say and they know what they're going to do. Um, it's very different than like a meandering something. So do you feel like in that case you would ever take the role of a moderator over the role of a participant as, as somebody who, who might want to have this conversation, you've got a bunch of experts in front of you. Do you prefer to be on the question asking side or on the, I've got an answer for that side. On the question asking side or the, I feel like. Yeah. Do you feel like you could keep a conversation going in a really like, I don't know, like a good pace and keep people from going off and nowhere and. No, I don't think I'd be good at that. (laughs) Occasionally, if you're talking about hijacking a panel, I think if the conversation drifts into an area that, like I can tell other people on the panel don't know, it's kind of out of their area of expertise, then I can take the reins for a minute and explain whatever the question or something was and then guide it back. As a moderator? Well, for a moment, maybe in that way, I would take the moderator reins just being like, Here's the answer of, you know, I'm going to answer this. I can, I know that this person does not have this knowledge, so I will kind of rephrase or something. end the question with a statement that kind of like brings it back into the zone of what the realm of what we were kind of talking about previously or on the, on the, on the panel in general. I, that's nice well, of what you. What would you do? Would, would I just rather be the moderator? Yeah. Oh man. So, okay. I have one of those like overactive like I feel like I need to say something right this second kind of situations and oftentimes I have to stop myself from trying to answer every single thing always you know I am not the person in the audience that constantly raises my hand in most cases but there are certain situations where I think guiding a conversation in a way where you're observing and you're watching the cues of the audience and you are the moderator like some of that is much more interesting to me than just like saying facts all day and waiting for somebody to throw me like a throw me a bone here so I can say stuff like you know that doesn't interest me as much as I wouldn't say that is how I participate I am as interested in listening to the other people talk so I'm not like when's it my turn when's it my turn yeah. All right, here I go. <laughs> like, I say things when it's appropriate, but I'm not just sitting there, like, chomping at the bit to be like, ooh. No, when no. This chump's that's done, not what I meant. I'm going to say <laughs> something so was, good. As a moderator, you're able to watch how a conversation evolves. Right. And if you're a good moderator, you can continue to add to a conversation that's already happening instead of being like, here is a question. All right, that question is over. Right. Here Paying is another random question. Paying attention to when is happening in an interesting direction and like continuing it and not just being yeah. like, no, my next question wasn't about that. So yeah, you kind of ad lib and you're listening and you're trying to like, you know, trying to sense what's going on. I don't know. We do that in class all the time, don't you think? Yeah. Or, well, I was also imagining some of like we do all the time podcast interviews with artists and we might have a couple questions for them, but it's a lot of just like following the path of the conversation so even if we had an agenda um i think it's important to realize like because i don't know you don't know everyone and so when you start talking to them you have no idea if something like magical starts coming out or if something really horrible starts coming out and so, <laughs> yeah. you're like stop stop oh, stop talking horrible is coming out cover <laughs> that like, up you be quiet yeah no yeah i feel like it's it's kind of nice so as you're listening you find out a lot of things that are probably much more interesting than the standard list of questions right and you want it to be a real conversation so i guess that is the job of the moderator is to not keep it into like a static something where you're just listing off questions to people but actually like making it seem genuine even if it is like a planned question so here's another one that is related to the planned questions. There's probably a slew of things that when you list a panel, for example, and it's like collaborative creative projects, there's probably like some kind of like underlying 
questions that you assume are going to be asked during that kind of a panel, right? Or like self-publishing 101. You assume that they are going to talk about how to do that, right, in a manner. How much do you let the audience and their knowledge of the subject or their personal questions start to dictate the conversation in total? I think it depends on the people and the tone. I think there's definitely panels that we have done. And I remember one last year where we, it was a pretty small group and we just sort of said, people can just ask questions away and we'll just kind of like answer what you guys want to know. Whereas other ones is all about the conversation on stage and it has zero input from the crowd. And I think that there's not a really right way. I mean, if you're presenting to a crowd of 500 people, you're probably not going to do it that way. But if it is a small enough group of people and there are, you know, as long as there's not like seven people on the panel or something where I think there's a point where panels get too big and then they're like, now let's hear from John. Now let's hear from Sue. Now let's hear from whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then you go down this huge list. So I think like, I don't know what four is like a sweet spot probably. Yeah. So I think if it's like maybe less than that, taking more input from the crowd is probably a great idea to kind of really get people what they want to know. That makes sense. I don't know. I think that makes sense. It's hard. I think it's it's just hard to read the pace. I mean, panels are such a weird... Yeah, you never know what the crowd is going to say either because sometimes they're just like... Sometimes they hijack My Kickstarter is blah, 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 and I have a question about that, but not really. I really just want to tell you guys all that I have a Kickstarter. (laughs) Which does happen. Yeah, and in that case... You know, it happens what are you going to do? At least a couple times per panel, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're like, that's cool. That's, I mean, that's good. Like, it's good. That, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. But I, I think it's just an all, all in all, a good experience. I think it's like every time we do one, I feel like I learned something from the panelists. I feel like I learned something about the way that I talk in public. I feel both apprehensive and excited and like thrilled and also terrified at the same time. And watching people's faces is really interesting being on a stage and like directly facing everyone directly facing. And you can see almost every single person's expression. And that I think is one of the most humbling and or exciting like moments, you know, (laughs) like, or if people get up and leave, that's the other thing, you know. And then I think that's a con thing, though. I think that there's, I mean, literally there was like, what, six talks going on at once or something? Yeah. Well, that's the usually how it goes. You're like, I want a little bit of this and a little bit of that. There was one guy who this. came to every single panel. Yeah. And he would wait 15 minutes and then he would get up and leave. Yeah. That's kind and of And I was like, why do you sometimes. keep going to these panels if you hate all of them? Like, or oh, maybe he just again. wanted to see a little bit of all of them. Because I imagine maybe he just went to the next one over and then... Went in for 15 minutes. I feel like that's the wrong way to do it, but whatever, different strokes, different folks. Yeah. 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 Well, as a, as a panelist, you're like, what am I doing wrong? Why does this guy keep leaving? Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. If you think it is easier to ad lib like teaching or on a panel teaching. I wasn't sure if he was leaving until he said, boo. (laughs) (laughs) He booed you off stage. Yeah. He just flipped us off and then yelled boo and then ran away. That's not true. He he sucked. See you in an hour. That's how it felt in my heart. (laughs) (laughs) For another 15 minutes. I'm like, you again. Oh, God. Anyway, teaching, yes. Teaching is so much easier. Teaching, you know what you're going to teach. And you walk in and you know that you are in complete control. So you don't get like random strange questions. Yeah, I think there's a a thing about a panel where the moderator might have a different idea of what this conversation and the, I guess may, I'm not sure how often this happens but it seems like most time people are all showing up for the first time meeting each other it is a minute before the panel you starts. may not know so you don't even know so there. we were on a panel about games and making games and I didn't know if we were talking about video games or board games or both <laughs> and, a mystery. and then so when we met our other panelist he had zero experience making video games. So I was like, okay, well, I guess it's less about video games. More about other games. And more about other games. Um, so but it was kind know. of a... But we were, you know, we were kind of clueless on what this panel was showing up to. It. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's why I think it's harder. In a panel situation, when you're up there, you're in half presentation mode. 
and you're half responding to somebody in a conversational way, it is like you never want to just sit there and be like, what do you do again? Wait, back up and tell us more about this really interesting thing you just said five minutes ago that I would like to know more about that nobody else probably wants you me to stop the conversation so that you keep talking about it. You know, so it's it's one of those things where you're like trying to piece together what is up with everybody else, but it's a very solitary kind of a thing. I think that's why I think a lot of moderators give you the choice of just answering a straight up question and then mm-hmm. maybe you just speak up if you've got something to say about somebody else's comment or something. Right. But it's so much easier as a teacher because you know exactly where you need to keep going. So even if you get off track, it's not like you're so far out there. You know, I'm sitting on a panel for some of these, writing my notes about what somebody just said, and by the time that it gets back around to me, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go way back there and. Start I saw you writing. I didn't know what you. I thought you were gonna write a note to the moderator and then hold it up or something. <laughs> no, no. I was like, you know, I was like, this question is coming back around. But by the time it came back around, I was like, whatever I was about to say is totally not relevant right. anymore. So so going way back to the beginning of our podcast, when we were kind of discussing all the horrible things that could go wrong, right? What happens if you're on a panel and your name is right up there and you're sitting there and the whole panel takes a turn for the worse? And it <laughs> is everybody but you starts to complain or... Everybody starts telling these horrific stories or, you know, it, they start to ask these questions that you're like, wow, wherever this is going is a place I do not want to be. Um, remember when I asked you guys if you would just sit there or if you'd contribute something or you'd try to steer the conversation? In that specific circumstance, if it was going down like the gutter, I would take a word out of what they said and then turn it into something else. So you would try your best to hijack at that point. Yes. If they'd be like... Does anyone you know, have they ever died? Tell me about how they died. And then I would be like, you know, we had the skater die show <laughs> at the gallery. <laughs> yeah. So you just turn it totally around and then be like, that was horrible. Let me ask somebody else Let me question. save this yeah. from the gutter. Right. Because you are attached to the panel. And right. And whoever you meet the rest of the convention is going to be like, you're the one who talked about that weird thing. Yeah. So <laughs> what are, who are you? How do you separate yourself from that then? I don't know if there's a lot you can do. I think that you can try to steer the conversation, but I also, um, I mean, if if the entire panel is having a conversation, I don't think you can just stop them. Would you Would you stand up and kick your chair back and then you flip say, the table? I, for one, will have none of this, and then you walk out. I think or some you, people would do that. you could say, I have nothing really to contribute to this subject. <laughs> and then you would walk out 15 minutes into it, and you would flip them off on the way out. Yep. Or you would be like, look at your watch and be like, oh, gotta go. And just sigh really loudly. Didn't somebody do that last year? Somebody left a panel. They were just like, gotta go. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. I don't know. Well, it's, it's, like, it's one of those things where you're like, what? If I sit here any longer, I'm gonna be affiliated with all these people. If I, if I don't sit here and I get up, I'm gonna look like a wiener. I don't think anybody's getting up. No? You don't think anybody would get up? I mean, if it was some, if they went into like super offensive territory, but yeah. if they're just like, if the, if it just takes like a negative bent where all of a sudden, instead of talking about the positives, they are focusing on the negatives or something. And you're like, I want to be a positive person. I don't think you would just get up and be like, I'm out of here. See you later. Yeah. See you later. Would you? Uh, no, you wouldn't. I probably would only get up. I would excuse myself. I would not. You like? I just got crippling gas. I have to. Excuse me. I'll be like this. Crippling gas is much less horrific than this panel discussion. See you never. And then I would run away. Yeah. I feel like I'd probably gently excuse myself and then slowly pull my name tent. Oh, away. So no one can see it. Yeah. Oh, jeez. That's so hard. I don't know. I, maybe it would have to be pretty bad because I first, I would at first I would try and hijack it, and then second, if that didn't work, I would slowly have crippling gas and then have to leave, <laughs> have to leave in the most discreet manner possible. But I don't know. Do you think that ever happens? Do you think anybody ever gets on a panel and they're like, "Why am I here? What have I done?" Probably. I don't think, think I've so? ever witnessed a panel like that, but I'm sure it's happened. I've, I've yeah. witnessed a couple presentations where you're like, you're going down a weird territory. Let's just not go here. And everybody in the audience is weird and they're all weird. And you're like, 
I feel like I should also excuse myself from this situation. I think in that environment, people can get pretty fast and loose with the alcohol and things. So I feel like the instances where that happened might be when people had too much to drink or something oh, before man. a panel. That's, you would think you would not do that before a panel. Maybe. Or Probably you, not. Maybe people do. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like you'd have to be in pretty good control of what you're about to say if you're going to go up on stage somewhere. But then again... History has proven otherwise, I think, for <laughs> for many types of things. Yeah. But. So I guess, so you, going back to like signing up to do stuff at a convention. Yeah. So you are in the boat right now of all for signing up or are you worried about signing up for stuff? No, I like signing up. I think the, the, the benefits of supporting a thing and trying to help out and you know, hopefully contributing something valuable somehow much like greatly outweigh the possible shipwrecks of, (laughs) of all the things that could possibly go wrong. But it's, it does not stop me from thinking about all the things that go wrong. It does not stop me, but I try to keep that at bay in the back of my head. So, you know, there's some of those things where you're like, I don't know, what are you going to do sometimes? It's just a, yeah. an interesting I don't, experience. I don't actually think about what's going to go wrong. Never? I'm like the moderator. I'm assuming the moderator is going to covered. have some sort of semblance of what's going on. That's really nice that you trust that somebody... And if they don't, it's not that big of a deal. I guess not. Don't do, Don't you ever panic about that? I panic about that. I don't that. panic about it, no. Okay, okay, so at Again, point, I might panic if I was the moderator, and I was like, I have to steer this ship through the turbulent waters ahead, but if but if I'm kind of the panelist, then I will do my best to make everything I say as relevant as possible. Right. So and what that's if all I can do. Last, the last thing that I'll ask, and this is a, going off what you said, what if you're moderator isn't talking and your other panelist isn't talking and you're just having a silent panel and then you're and then no one's talking they all often that is when you just that is when smile. you walk get up and walk away <laughs> do you feel like, like we're just gonna sit here and smile and then you have to figure out what to do has that ever happened to you guys that no. sure has happened on panels that i've been on is that all of a sudden you're like a silence I don't is know. happening I mean, for that too happens long why when we're recording the podcast and you ask a question none of us have an answer <laughs> Then, then I continue think. talking. This is, and this shows you exactly what a great how I moderator. feel. Oh, thank you, Chris. But that's that's exactly how that feels. Though you're sitting in a room and you've you've either completed what you're about to say, and then no one has anything to follow it up, or the moderator is like checking their phone or something. But there's a moment where you're like, someone should talk. Anyone should talk. I should talk. And you're like, uh-oh, now I'm just going to say things for the sake of continuing <laughs> this conversation. Does that ever, do you ever panic about that? Or would you just sit there silently until the moderator hurried No, well, yeah, I, I would have a staring contest. You would? <laughs> oh my gosh, no. I, Chris probably would, actually. Probably. Oh man, no, I also have, like, I feel some responsibility. If I was on stage with everyone else, I would feel responsible for the conversation. Like silence anxiety, right? Like, yeah, like you're, you're like, like, why are we not talking? Yeah. 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 That's and hard. I'd say, what do you, the audience, <laughs> think? I did that in one of these panels. Did you catch that? Uh, did I say something? No, you did not. Was Chris, I, I was like, <laughs> Chris I was like, throw me a bone, contest. Chris. Come on, Chris. Ask me a question, Chris. Come on, Chris. And I know like, everything. Stared at him in the eyeball while you're sitting in the audience. There's nothing. And we're you like, can say any that other questions know. from anyone? And you're like, please, 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 please. <laughs> no one. So I was thinking about this thing one day, and then you're like, oh, my God. You're like, like would I you like, like to hear me rap the entire intro to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? You're like, look at this thing I can do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, now I've hijacked this podcast into a weird zone. But you know what I mean? You don't ever get freaked out about that? You're like, we have planned this thing, and my name is stuck on it, and it has to go good, and it should be great, and why isn't it great, and something's happening. Oh, my God, I'm panicking kind of a thing, you know? Chris doesn't panic. About yeah, it. well, like your dad says, like you said on a panel today, like your dad says, no one's going to drag you and sh- drag, drag you out back and shoot you if you do a bad job. True, but it sure feels interesting. 
during the during the midst of it. Well, now that we've talked about all the things that could possibly go wrong in panels, I hope all you guys sign up for your next <laughs> series of panels. <laughs> and it it truly is one of those things where it's a it's an awesome experience. When it goes right, it goes really right, and it's really fun and really funny and really ridiculous, and you learn a lot of stuff. When it goes wrong, it's just uncomfortable. I have never flipped the table or flipped anyone off or had gas like that, like you were saying, Chris. I was real. very entertained. You had a panel today where an old 90-year-old woman started yelling at you all. Yeah, that was And fun. I thought this was the best panel I've ever seen. <laughs> I was sitting there and I was texting people about it. And I was like, there is a woman who's been yelling at these guys for like, <laughs> for like 20 minutes. <laughs> and no one can get her to sit down. Yeah, what do you do? You're like, respect for your elders. And then you smile at her. And you're like, she's got the microphone. Somebody gave her the microphone. <laughs> like, I didn't do it. You know, somebody was like, here, old lady, talking here. It was, was funny. It was really funny and really awkward because it kept going. It was, that was a good panel. And then someone else asked you on a date. Yeah. Oh, no. So How here's, does this always happen? This is what panels are like, you know? He's like, I'm interested in Lindsay. And then everybody was like, oh. And I was like, uh. And then I Did he really ask you on a date no. or you just said? No, he's like, my, no. he's like, I have a question, but actually I'm specifically interested in Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> and we were all like and then the whole room started yes. laughing and he went oh, oh, oh yeah and then we were like how awkward nah. but it was it was charming it was a good panel that actually was was one of the best ones that old lady really did the the best thing that could ever have happened she, she had, had a cane and she was like waving her cane it had a dragon <laughs> head really? on it that's yeah she was amazing. waving yeah she was yelling at yeah she well said, good thing it, guys know if she talked for 20 minutes that's an hour of your conversation <laughs> she didn't then. say none of these guys know anyone <laughs> She yeah. said, she turned around to the audience and she said, she said, you are in the audience don't know anything. Yeah. She, <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, you, <laughs> and then she waddled out and we were like, that was great. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, what's the time again? Oh yeah. Okay. 40 minutes left. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. I don't know. Panels are weird. You guys, <laughs> it's like all the things that can go wrong. Uh, but still, we still do them. All the best things. Anyway, so thus thus ends our awesome conversation about panels. I, I, I'm i very interested, by the way, in anybody who has been in a panel that has a, a good panel story, good, bad, or otherwise, um, send us some notes about it. and we, we would love to hear from you. I'm sure there are plenty of really good ones. Dramatic reenactments. Yeah, yeah, please do. And so where can people send that luxurious... Thing. You can drop us an email for long form panel stories to podcast at lightgrayartlab.com. You can find us on the blog, blog.lightgrayartlab.com. You can find us on Twitter, we're at lightgrayartlab. You can like us on Facebook, stay up to date there, get invites to all of our events. You can follow us on Tumblr, we're lightgrayartgallery.tumblr.com. And you can subscribe to the show on the iTunes Music Store or stream it directly on Stitcher Radio. That's awesome. Well, thanks again, you guys, for listening to this week's podcast, and we will talk with you soon. Bye.